I love you so, children, welcome home. Amen. Amen. That's what it's all about. Thank you. And I'll be singing that good in heaven. Amen. Because <laughs> in heaven, uh, we on earth who have not been blessed will be in heaven to sing you know, praises to God. Uh, well, today is going to be a wonderful, I think, opportunity to continue to grow in grace as we look at Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And today we're going to talk about the whole armor of God. This is a wonderful topic, a scripture that's been looked at. And today we're going to look at it in a way that's more about our Christian living and how do we respond in this world that we live in now. So it's found in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, starting at the 10th verse. And it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in their heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth that's buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we pray that when we open our mouths, your words may come, that we may fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which we are ambassador in chains. We pray, O oh Lord, that we declare it fearlessly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It seems in this world we live in right now, there's a lot of things going on that indeed they're, where they're troubling. Um, as you know, we've been having the study on Genesis and part of the story of Genesis and is how we as humans, we will commit what's called the original sin where we did not follow God's guidance and therefore we are cursed. But one of the things God does for us in with the book of Genesis is he makes us a set of clothes. God is a tailor. He makes us a set of clothes. And he does this to cover our shame, to cover our sin. Now, it's important to understand that piece to understand what this scripture is talking about. In this case, it's not covering our sin that is the directive of the scripture. The, uh, just the scripture is about wearing what we need to wear to be able to survive in this world that we live in. Now, when Paul is writing this to the church, uh, he is writing this to a church that is being persecuted. Now, some would say, well, the church isn't being persecuted. It is being persecuted each and every day. It is being persecuted. You only have to watch the news to see this. Time after time, things are happening where people are, 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 are sharing the gospel and they're being denied uh, so that freedom and that right. We live in a land that is indeed at times in a warfare against so what we believe. So how do we deal with that? Well, we have people marching every day. <laughs> they march uh, up in Chapel Hill, they march everywhere. 
people marching, and I don't know if they know what they're doing or where they're going to or what's being done or even the purpose of all this. All I know is people are stirred up. And in fact, um, if you're a good person, you've got to run and hide from these groups because they'll be marching and you'll catch yourself in the middle of it. Well, what is this scripture talking about? It's talking about how we as Christians are called to be people who are equipped to do what we're called to do. And so he says here, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But God doesn't just leave us out there without any way to deal with this world we live in. He gives us equipment. He gives us the directive of how we are to live in this world. And he describes it in a way that the people of that time would fully understand. He's describing a Roman soldier. You have to realize wherever Paul went, he was a Roman citizen. He was afforded the Roman privilege. And part of that was uh, he had protection sometimes from the Romans. And sometimes the Romans took him and threw him in jail. It just depends on where he was. And so he saw these soldiers. And these Roman soldiers wore certain armor pieces that made them the great empire they were at that time to rule the world. And they had armor, and that's what he's using here to describe how we are to be equipped as Christians, how we are to fight the good fight and to run the race. And he says, when we put on this armor, we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. Now, let's just say it, the devil's scheming to mess us up. The devil loves to mess us up. The devil loves to throw that monkey wrench into the works. I guarantee you, if things start going good, the devil's trying to figure out a way to make it go bad. That's what the devil does. The devil's very good at this, and we have to be able to fight against this. The devil enters into people, makes them negative, makes them where they don't accept the grace of God. They don't see the way they've been blessed. They start complaining. They start thinking somehow they're not being blessed or being touched by God, and the devil's already at work. He's at work in this culture. What in the world is wrong with this culture? We got steakhouses, we have uh, Chinese places, we have Hardee's, we have McDonald's, we have every type of food underneath the sun. We have Fords, we have Chevrolets, we have Dodges, we have every type of car underneath the sun. We have land upon land, we have field upon field, we have factory upon factory. If there's ever been any nation under the sun that's been blessed any more than America, I'd love to know which one. God has blessed America. Why are we so upset that we gotta march up and down? We gotta complain about things happened almost 200 years ago or things that are gonna happen. Why can't we just be happy? Why are people complaining? Always, always murmuring, always saying there's a problem because the devil's entered in and entered into their life and they don't even see the blessings they have. These children are the greatest of blessing. Enjoy them while they're young and love them more when they get older because here they may have your pocketbook and your keys. But when they get older, they'll have your heart. See, we have been blessed. And we're so busy, you complaining and losing sight of God's grace, we do not even see what God is doing for us. And here, he's saying, I want you to put on the full armor so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, he makes it clear, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our spiritual struggle as Christians is against the force of darkness that's trying to stop your life from being all that it can be. And the devil's using every way he can to do it. 
And that's what this scripture is about. So how do we fight the devil? How do we fight this spiritual warfare we are at? And the answer is that we fight it by the grace of God. That our battle is against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil that are here. And therefore, we have to, just like this Roman soldier, we have to get equipped to fight this battle. And how do we fight this battle? Now, you have to understand there's been a movement in this postmodern church that gets away from the idea of battle or anything about aggression or anything about how do we defend ourselves. And it's a false narrative. It's a false prophecy. It's a false gospel that's teaching Christians that all we got to do is just somehow just sing Kumbaya and everything's going to be okay. I can tell you right now, you can sing Kumbaya and there's nothing wrong with it because I came to the Lord singing Kumbaya. But Kumbaya ain't going to stop the devil from what he's about to do. He's about to unleash. And you think what's going on in America is going to pass by and God's going to look the other way. God is going to say, okay, you wanted it, now you're going to get it. And you better remember, I'm your God. See, America's about to have a judgment upon it because it's allowed too much of this stuff to take place. See, God is opening up the door so that we can know as Christians, as believers, how do we put on this full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And that's important. I was listening to that great, uh, you know, philosophical song the other day, I Won't Back Down. You, you, you know that song? I Won't Back Down. I won't sing it, but it's a rock and roll song. I Won't Back Down. See, the Christian faith is called to make a stand in this world and to stand firm. So how do we do that? Well, we do it by following the narrative he gives here to put on this full armor of God. He says, stand firm, and he starts here, this is Paul, he starts with the belt. He calls it the belt of truth. You may notice, kids, I pull up my belt every so often. It's because I need to, you know. The belt of truth. Now, I don't know if anybody younger knows about it, but I tell you the truth, when I was a boy, you didn't want to face the belt of truth. <laughs> when your daddy gets home, he's going to show you the belt of truth, Jerome. Oh, my Lord, no. Where, where can I run to? Where can I hide? See, the belt of truth is buckled around your waist. Now, now here, he's imagining he's seeing this Roman soldier that has a belt around and the purpose of the belt is to hold everything in place. See, truth holds everything in place. Truth allows you so your pants don't fall down. In other words, <laughs> truth keeps everything where it's supposed to be. So make sure that you begin in truth and you end in truth and let truth be what you do. That's what he's saying to the Christian. When you stand firm in this battle, understand that the devil will try to get you <laughs> not to see the truth. And when you do, your pants fall down. Other day in Chapel Hill, their pants fell down, okay? I get notices from the school saying uh, there's going to be this and there's going to be that. And I'm sitting there going, what, 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 what in the world are they doing? Isn't this the craziest thing? This isn't about a statue. This isn't about some part of history that we have learned from and we are better people. I pray that we're more inclusive and more open. This isn't about that. This is about a bunch of people who want to hate on a bunch of other people. That's what the truth is. 
See, and, 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 and all, of them are just, all of them are just making a fit about something that has nothing to do with the truth. The truth is uh, God, God loves the people, and he wants the people to come together. He doesn't want them to fall apart, and I guarantee you, they rather have it in stone than have it in the heart because when you start attacking people and what they believe in and what they hold to in their history, I don't care if they're right or wrong. The truth is people will retaliate. America's creating a storm in the midst of this. They need to learn from their history because they'll be doomed to repeat it if they don't learn from their history. See, we are in a nation that needs to understand we come from different backgrounds and different beliefs, but the truth is we all are under the judgment of God and we're responsible as the children of God. See, Paul is saying that the truth is this belt that holds everything in check and it's hard to find the truth right now in this culture. We have people saying this is the truth and people saying that is the truth and we are all confused as people. We used to be able to turn maybe to Tom Brokaw or to Harry K. Smith or to Walter Cronkite and hear the truth. Now we can't hear the truth because every news network is controlled by some rich person who has a political angle and they have a bottom dollar and they're trying to make money and the truth is they're all trying to make money out of this. And what they're doing is turning people against people. So the truth is they ought to be ashamed of themselves. They all ought to be ashamed of themselves. The last email from the university chancellor said there was nobody from Carolina involved in yesterday. These were all outsiders. And they're going to run to the next place, and they're going to fight the next battle, and they're going to think they win, and they're going to think they can somehow tear down something instead of building up. What happened to building up things? Why is it in America now to be somehow a freedom fighter? you got to tear things down. Why can't you build up something? See, that's what the truth is. I'm speaking the truth. I may get in trouble for speaking the truth. Somebody may disagree with me for speaking the truth, but it's the truth. I can't help it, it's the truth. I didn't write it, I didn't make it, but I'll tell you what it is, people are crazy. They're a mess, I can't believe them. They're sinners who are lost, who need Jesus Christ. That is the truth. That is the truth the church cannot uh, shrink away from. That is the truth the church cannot deny. We can't be pretending that somehow we're going to be easy when we have to realize there's a battle of souls going on. I knew they were messed up when I watched on the video this one little boy run up there to this poor, uh, you know, statue. This poor statue sitting there hadn't bothered anybody except the pigeons. This poor statue is laying face down. And this little boy, he ran up there and he stomped the statue with his foot. He took his foot and he stomped the statue. And then he reached down and grabbed some dirt and threw it on the statue. And I sat there thinking to myself, man, that's just, that's just not right. I mean, where, where, and it's not about Southern. It's not about Northern. It's not about a statue. It's about people. Because if we keep playing this game, it's going to be a mess. See, Paul is saying, Christians, make sure when you stand, you stand with truth. That the belt is holding the truth around your waist. And then you make sure you're wearing this breastplate. He's looking at the Roman soldier and they have this huge metal breastplate here. And it protects them. And this breastplate, he describes it as righteousness. In other words, when we have the truth, make sure we stand in righteousness so it's protecting us. We're protected by being right with God. 
That's what righteousness means. It doesn't mean being right with our neighbor. It means being right with God. And if you're right with God, you'll be right with your neighbor. If you're right with God, then you'll love your neighbor and you'll help your neighbor. But if you're not right with God, then your neighbor becomes your enemy. So in the scripture, he's describing this breastplate as being righteousness. In other words, we should be living right with God. God expects us to do the right thing and to be the right way, to respond with Christian love and compassion, with hope. See, the breastplate is protecting us. Righteousness protects us from a world that is attacking us. And then he says, our feet need to be fitted. Now, the Roman soldiers, they wore like a sandal that was laced up all the way up their leg, and that was made for their marching. They marched everywhere. These armies marched every day. Their soldiers would march from one place to the other. That's why they built the Roman roads. And these soldiers were wearing these shoes, these sandals, and he's saying, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In other words, we have to be peacemakers in the midst of a troubled world. I was over at Methodist College. I don't even know if I'm pointing anymore to Methodist College because I've lost my direction. I turned 56, you know, this week, and I've just lost my direction for some reason. It may be what happens when you turn 56. I don't know. Because that's speeding in most places. 56 is speeding. You're one mile over. Well, I was at Methodist, and uh, I was with some friends, and I was the high court chief justice, and there were some... uh, there were some Japanese students we had, and they're still going there. It's a very it's ecumenical, diverse campus, people from all over the world. And when I was there, I even had a Japanese roommate, and that was interesting because he spoke very little English. Um, and we used to talk, and we wouldn't know what we're saying, but we had a good time. Maybe that's the key to communication is just don't understand each other and just talk. But I remember that they were fighting in front of the dorm. And they were really going at it. And it was some of that Kung Fu stuff. You know the Kung Fu stuff? Can you do that Kung Fu stuff? They were Kung fu in each other. It looked like a movie. And we're walking up there, and they're looking around, and they're Kung fu in each other. And you could tell they weren't playing. They were serious. They were mad about something. And then one of them said, Jerome, uh, you're the judge. Go up there and stop that. And I, I said, okay. And, and I eased myself into the midst of that Kung fu, and they're Kung fu all the way around me. They're throwing legs and hands and making noises. I'm standing there going, y'all got to stop. Y'all got to stop. I'm doing that. You got to stop. And they just kung fu. And then finally, I start hollering at them. What is wrong with you? I, 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 see, my daddy was a drill sergeant. I started doing a drill sergeant. I started screaming at them, stop, stop. You're going to stop this. And finally, they stopped it. And I went back and told the boys that were with me. I said, never ask me to do that again. I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get in the middle of a fight unless I've got the weaponry to be able to stand against it. I said, because they could have took me out. They could have kung fu'd me, and I'd have been laid out, because I can't kung fu. So the devil's using kung fu on you. So how do you, how do you fight this? Well, it says here that you take up the shield of faith. Let faith be what protects you. It extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one, of the devil throwing the darts. It's like sometimes we're climbing a hill on the outer banks and you climb up a sand dune and you step up one and you slide back two. That means you'll never get to the top. Sometimes in life it seems that no matter what we do to make progress, then we regress. But understand that God has made it so we can be faithful and we can find 
the salvation he holds for us. And in this scripture, he's describing the helmet, which was the crown jewel of the Roman armor. The helmet, indeed, it covered the, so the nose bridge, it covered the head, it covered part of the ears to the back of the neck, and the helmet represented, indeed, the crowning point of a soldier, a Roman soldier. And you take this helmet of salvation is what Paul describes it. And this helmet is where God has blessed us. And in the Bible, when God blesses us, God blesses us by doing what we did with the backpacks. God touches us. And where he touches us is on our head. God lays his hand on our head. And today, God is laying his hand on your head. God is placing his hands there. And he's blessing us, no matter what our injury is, no matter what our trouble is, no matter what our circumstance is, no matter what our fear is, no matter what our wound is, God is healing us by salvation. Salvation means to be saved. God is saving us. It's like a father reaching out. That is the truth. In life, in those moments, I guarantee you, before you kids go to school, the one that loves you is going to give you a big hug. (laughs) They're going to touch you and hug you and hold you. And this helmet is salvation. It's saving us. And now I get to the part that all the kids enjoy, and certainly all those that, uh, well, they know any type of history, and the sword of the Spirit. God doesn't just give us defensive armor that we wear to protect us. He gives us an offensive weapon to use. And that's good. Because if we only had defensive, we'd always be playing defense. They'd always be pushing against us. The evil would always be hammering us each and every day. And that would get old after a while. But every now and then, God allows us to pull out this sword of the Spirit, which is... He describes it, the Word of God, the Bible. The reason this church is prospering and will continue to prosper is not because of the qualifications of your preacher. I'm okay, but you could do better. (laughs) The reason this church is prospering is this Bible. Because I preach the Bible, I teach the Bible. I believe the Bible. You hold to the Bible. You claim the Bible. You are a Bible-believing church. God is allowing us to take this shield of faith and this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and to pray that God will be with us. See, we have just blessed our children to go off to school this year. When I talked with Leanna before she took back off, and she's back in Kuwait now, She said, you know, our nation has changed. And I said, in what way? She said, there's so much violence going on now. And I said, yeah, yeah, there there is. Because, see, she kind of steps into the stream and sees it when every day we see it, and we kind of think it's normal. But she was referring to the school shootings. She was referring to the violence that is taking place. Chicago, Sanford, (laughs) where people are being shot every day. And she was saying, what's going on in this nation? And she said, is it guns? Are are, are guns causing it? And I said, "Uh, I've never seen a gun get up and shoot a cell. I said, 
People are causing it. Now understand, I didn't step into a political stream then and say one side or the other side. Simple fact about it, if you can change the heart, you can change the person. The truth is, the nation is in trouble because it thinks the answer is one thing instead of another. The answer is not war, it is peace. And we need to be actively engaged in, in just in peace. So when we take out this sword of the Spirit, we don't do it to wound the other person, we do it to save the other person. The reason we're concerned is their soul is in trouble and we want them to come to Christ. And so we take out the sword, the word of God, and we pray in all spirit and all seasons and all kinds of occasions with every kind of prayer, Paul says, and request that peace be found. Now, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. We got family members, every one of us, we got family members that do not know Christ. As the New Testament reading showed, there are ones who do not believe. And I pray for them every day that they come to know Christ. They'll come to Christ on bended knee. They'll come to Christ with hope of salvation. But we can keep on praying and speaking the truth every day. With this in mind, he says, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then Paul, he says, pray also for me. Because whenever I open my mouth, may the words be given me. So I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. And the gospel is real clear. Jesus is Christ. He is Lord. He's given us what we need in our lives to fight the good fight and to run the race. When we face a moment or a circumstance that we can't handle, when something happens that's beyond our control, depend on God to cause the healing. Depend on God to cause the wounds to be taken away. Depend on God to take what seems impossible and not only make it possible, but make it real. God is doing amazing things. I shared, you know, my brother, he's a pastor. He used to have a motorcycle and he got in a wreck a couple of years ago. He hit a curve and didn't make the turn and went over into the embankment there and flipped and hit a tree and when he did, it hit the helmet, but ended up hitting the shoulder, and he broke his shoulder. And so they gave him like six months for his shoulder to heal, and the gap in his shoulder, and he showed me the x-ray was pretty large, and it was like almost two inches, the gap. And, and I was worried it wouldn't grow back, and I was saying, well, I don't know. And he said, well, we're going to pray about it. And after the six months, it wasn't healed. They took another image, and it was the same distance. And so he started all the things with the doctor, and he even was up at Duke, that's where he attended seminary at Duke like my father did. I went to Wake Forest Southeastern. So my brother's at Duke, he's at the hospital and they have him set up. He's gone through all the pre-op, he's gone through all the things you need to do. He's even, he's even given Duke a check. <laughs> he's given him money. And it's the week before and they do the final scan and then I'm expecting him to have the surgery and then he calls me that Friday and he said, they just called me and I said, well, what's going on? He was supposed to have it the following Monday, and he said, uh, they're sending me back the check. And I said, are you a lost cause? And he said, no, it's healed. And I said, what's healed? And he said, my shoulder has grown back. And I said, that's impossible, because a month ago, it, 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 it was still broken. It, it, was a, it was about an inch and a half, two inches. How did this happen? And he said, the doctor said it was a miracle. And I said, well, brother, it was a miracle. He said, yes. And I said, the miracle is Duke sent you back your money. I can't believe that. <laughs> 
because I have to always get in a Duke thing with him. You have to understand Duke Carolina is just really tense and he's my brother, so I'm not supposed to be all happy, but I was happy for him because he had a miracle take place, a real miracle. And the thing was, when this happened, he had, um, we had Noah, his first grandchild. He was going to miss the birth of his grandchild. And now he's got a new shoulder and a new grandchild. See, God uh, was able to help him put on the full armor, knowing he needed a miracle to take place for him to be the new grandfather for the first time for him to step into that role and God blessed him. So if someone says that can't happen, it can happen and it does happen. So pray for the miracle. See, my day and my hope is we see everybody walking hand in hand, not to tear something down, but to build something up. My prayer is that we see the day when this nation unites for the greater purpose, not for the lesser cause. We can't afford to lose our way on this journey we have because God has ordained us as the new Israel to be the light of the world. And if we lose that light, who else will give that light? For there is darkness all the way around us. There are nations looking to take over us. There's bombs being built every day. We stand at the cusp. We stand at the ledge of oblivion. But we hold fast. We hold firm because we believe Christ is with us. See, Paul is saying to the early Christians, do not worry, for God has us. He is protecting us, and he's given us what we need. And this helmet of salvation, this sword of truth, he's saying that you can survive, you can make it, and not only that, you can find the peace you need in your life. Let us pray. Dear Lord, open up our hearts that the miracles may take place. Touch us. Heal us. Give us peace. And Lord, when the days are troubled and they grow dark and we worry, will you replace that worry with faith? In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray, amen.